0: Fuck monsters It's time for another edition Of Family Hour With Auntie Sarah No that's my live show What is this called? Sex and
1: other human activities I'm so old that's my sex monster noise.
0: It was a sexy sex monster noise. Thank oh you. my
1: god! Wait a What what does uh, old have to do with anything?
0: I'm I'm forgetting the name of our show. Uh, I you was got,
1: you it. have a lot of shows, darling. Don't I know.
0: I forget it. which one I'm doing, and I'm like, what am I? Huh. Hey, it's Christmas! <laughs> it's Christmas! God. It's a very merry Christmas. It's also Hanukkah, but we're not fucking Jews, so who gives a shit? <laughs> but it's definitely Christmas. And um, happy
1: New Year. And
0: uh, this. Is is a special holiday edition and you know what Jews I'm a fan of your lotkas, and uh, I enjoy your people I'm a big fan of your work and um you know especially your early shit back when you were <laughs> fucking indie like
1: that was cool i You've was been... in, i was into the jews before they were the chosen people
0: seriously yeah. shit's getting a little hacky lately <laughs> israel hello but your old school shit was the jam <laughs> circumcision man that was fucking innovative yeah
1: no it wasn't it, it was f- like the it wall ruined. of sound
0: <laughs> It's like Phil Spector's wall of sound. <laughs> Himself, maybe a Jew. I don't know.
1: Quite possibly.
0: Mm-hmm. But yeah, it ruined people's penises forever. So thanks, mm-hmm. Jews.
1: Yeah, thank you for that. I My cock uh, does not appreciate it. No. <laughs> at all.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, you know what they've made up for the circumcision thing with... Being great in comedy.
1: Yeah, yeah, that that is that. There is that.
0: And our first human activity actually has to do with comedy, which is fun. We got a an email from a gal who wanted to know um, ha, about some things about me and Marcus. And by the way, uh, twitter.com slash Costa, twitter.com slash marcus parks. My book, Agora Fabulous, Dispatches from My Bedroom, is available for pre-order on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, IndieBound, Powell's, etc., etc., etc. et cetera. Et cetera, et cetera. And thank you so much to those of you who've already pre-ordered it. I know a bunch of you have, and I appreciate it, because the more pre-orders we get, uh, the pre-orders all count toward the first week of sales, and the first two weeks of sales are what, or the first two weeks are when, if your book's going to be a bestseller, it's most likely going to happen. And um, also, the more pre-orders we get, the likelier the company is to uh, pay me, or not pay me, just maybe do it free, I don't give a shit, to do an audio book, which I really want to do, but they only do that it if they think it'll sell. So, mm-hmm. oddly enough, uh, they judge you buying the Kindle, Nook, or hardcover version of the book as evidence that other people would want the audiobook. So, anyway, for what it's worth, I greatly, greatly appreciate it. And any money you throw towards my and Marcus's endeavors enables us to continue talking about fucking mm-hmm. with you. And speaking of throwing money at us. Hey! we have a sponsor. Oh yeah. sexcusemoi.com. Sex, uh, it's sexcusemoi. Thanks.
1: Sexcusemoi. It's French. <laughs> that is spelled S E X C U S E M O I.com. Sexcusemoi. Dot com. Moi. Dude, I got to say, I've I've been on a ton of uh sex toy sites. Mm-hmm. Hell, I've even worked in a sex shop. Uh-huh. You know, you know i I know my way around it. This place is Classy, like yeah. high class, like super nice. I mean, it's definitely for the discerning pervert.
0: I don't know why they talk to us, but <laughs> hey, we, you know, we met him at the. Uh, or I met, I met the one of the fellows who works there. Um, at uh, the Fleshpot Awards. Yeah. And we get to talk it, and so we decided to do this deal with them to do some sponsorship, which is awesome. So, Marcus, tell the folks what they can get.
1: They, uh, well, it's actually pretty cool. It says that uh, their About page, says it's a place where the sassy, smart, and sexy purchase sophisticated whimsical pleasure items. Oh,
0: that sounds like us and our listeners.
1: Yeah, whimsical. We're all very whimsical. And if you go and buy something and use the promo code Sarah, you will get 20% off plus free shipping on orders over $75.
0: Yeah, and if you... I mean, you're not... We're probably not going to go to the sex store, and if you want quality shit, you're probably not going to spend under seventy-five bucks because yeah. you're going to want a bunch of stuff. Personally, I like to buy in bulk, like at Trader Joe's, like at TJs, and um, so you go over there to sex-cuse-moi, com. and um, you know you shop and you buy awesome things, and then you uh, you pop in the code SARA. My parents are going to be very proud. <laughs> So my name can be used in such a way. Yeah, but get, the
1: name they gave you uh, is uh-huh. being used uh, to buy dildos.
0: Totes. And you get 20% off plus shipping and handling. And there you go. You know, pretty soon you guys are going to have your Hanukkah money and your Christmas money. Because I assume that you're all 16 years old. <laughs> and that your family gives you like gift cards to, to places or gives you it's like, here you go, cash. Why not use it to give yourself the gift of joy in the new year?
1: You know, and I would recommend this to because we have a lot of listeners all over the world, and here in New York we get spoiled because you know we've got a lot of awesome sex shops. Hell, we have three babe lands for fucking. Yeah, we've got we the do. pleasure chest. There, we've got a, a ton of great places, high class places that we can go to get sex toys. Um, and I, under, but I understand that you know, like say if you're living in Des Moines. Iowa, there's probably not any high class, you know, sex pl- sex toy places that you can go to. Maybe a like a peep show on the edge of town. Uh, so if you're you no know, looking to get into stuff like this, if you're looking to get into like sex toys, any kind of like bondage stuff or vibrators or anything like that, this is a great place to start.
0: Now, uh, so that is excusez moi code S A R A, and thank you so much to excusez moi for helping us out and for for letting us do what we do, y'all and I'll also be like tweeting about it and putting it on I think Facebook and stuff and so that'll be super fun. So um so Marcus I got you um a Christmas present. You did? It cost $7. Don't get excited. Oh. But it's very fun here. It's um it is a well, what you can see right now appears to be a page from an old book Aww. that has been rolled up and tied with twine by oh. me. Oh my god. And then you open it up. Oh, you didn't have to. I know. I didn't expect you to get me anything, so don't feel weird. Um <laughs> <laughs> Tell them what it says. It says
1: you plus me equals awesome. It was
0: screen printed oh. on an old an old What is what, is, what is, the book is the The co-
1: book is uh the cloister and the hearth.
0: Yes, <laughs> it's some old ass book.
1: So, which one of us is the cloister and which one of us is the hearth?
0: I mean, I'm the cloister because that sounds like oyster, which is what a pussy looks like.
1: Yeah, and I'm the hearth
0: because you're warm.
1: Yeah. Oh, I thank you. You're welcome. Oh, thank you so much. You're welcome. Darling. It's you're really, really
0: gonna... more like a card, I think. It's sort of like an unusual card, but I love. They do a lot of these on Etsy. I got this on on Etsy from a. I believe I got it from a site called or uh, a, a seller called Ex Libris. And they take books, and, you know, so many people are buying electronic books now, So, but we're not letting our real books go to waste if we make cool things out of them. So um, they make art out of them.
1: In an apartment richly furnished, the floor covered with striped and spotted skins of animals, a lady sat with her arms extended before her, and her hands half-clenched. The agitation of her face corresponded with this attitude. She was pale and red by turns." and her foot restless. Interesting. That's from The Cloister and the Hearth and by the... Charles Who? Reed.
0: Oh, Charles.
1: <laughs> Fail me not, said she,
0: Oh, <laughs> oh, Charles. Thank you so
1: much, Sarah. This of is course. awesome. Of course. You're
0: welcome. Thank you. And I think that we are awesome together. We make awesome podcastery, obviously. Uh, we make <laughs> great podcastery. We give good podcasts. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Uh, and I might be doing um uh, another fun podcast. It's called The Morning After um with Mr. Jake Wiseman and a few other folks in, uh, in L.A. I'm doing like some L.A. podcasts. There's yeah. a lot of L.A. podcasts that I'm going to be doing. I'm doing... um. In February, I'm doing uh, This American Wife, this one, and I'm doing What the Fuck with Mark Marin, which Marcus is the recording engineer for when they do it here at the Bell House in mm. Brooklyn.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And um, so I guess that's just three, but that feels like a lot. <laughs> and I'll also be doing Suicide Girls Radio on, I think it's like Indie uh, 103.1 or something. Suicide girl. I'm doing Suicide Girls Radio, suicide and girls. I'm going to be doing... Um, what is another thing? That we, I know it's like early. I'm just excited about getting to do radio stuff again because I fucking love radio. And obviously the podcast is super duper fun because it reminds me of radio and it's okay. Awesome. Uh, I'm doing an interview with Mike Rowe on KPCC, which is like um, public radio over there in in the L.A. So I'm going to get to be on airwaves again. And that's fun. I've missed that. Um, I don't miss some of the bullshit that goes along with it, but I, I definitely have missed of like being in a radio, being in a radio studio. Although this is fucking awesome. Yeah. I love podcasting. So sex and other human activities. We talk about sex. We talk about one other human activity. Um, I would like briefly to talk about the fact that the water that we just drank tastes like gin. <laughs> the water from where at the creek in the cave at 1093 Jackson and it's creeklic.com and maybe it's because I have a cold I
1: think you just want gin
0: maybe I do it's because I have a cold so things taste weird to me (laughs) but I got some water out of the water cooler where they're kind enough to offer all the poor comedians free water delicious Hmm. and um, and it to me it tastes like gin
1: well and I mean, I'm fine with that that's cool I mean it tastes like water to me but right. you know that's but I mean I know you how much you like gin. I'm
0: sickly <laughs> I'm a sickly gal I think is what's happening uh, so guys if you've got questions for us about sex um, we are at Sarah at saRA at Sarah you can always tweet twitter.com slash Marcus parks twitter.com slash Sarah facebook.com slash official or excuse me um, facebook.com slash sex and other human activities all right Let's get into what our girl what's her name Katie uh Kelly 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 sorry Kelly hi
1: hey, Kelly. All right, and here's what uh, Kelly has to say. Do you wanna read this or you want me to take it? No,
0: care? you go for it. I was just doing a time check.
1: All right. Hi Sarah and Marcus. Hey Kelly. First off, I love, love, love the podcast. It is really good. It is pretty good. It's very entertaining and informative about so many things. Sarah, I can't wait for your book to come out.
0: Yay, Kelly. Marcus, thank you.
1: all the podcasts you put out are so great and I think you have a great group of people on whom uh, on them whom are extremely talented. Oh Kelly, thank you so much. If you want to check out some of the other podcasts, I'm on CaveComedyRadio.com. is of course, the place. We have a ton of stuff there, but it's awesome. Um, Okay, so she says, sorry for the awkward intro of fangirl adoration. Fun.
0: We love fangirl shit. Are you kidding? It strokes our ego makes us feel alive. Of course.
1: (laughs) But I feel it's well-deserved. Anyways, the question I have for you two is how you both got into comedy. Did you know you always wanted to do it? What was it like when you first started? I've always wanted to do something with comedy, but I'm just really nervous and scared. How do you suggest I get over these fears?
0: Okay, these are great questions. Um, Well, Marcus and I got into comedy at really the same place, I think. I mean, I had started in early 2006 at The Pit, the People's Improv Theater, um, which is now in this big, beautiful location. If you go to um, The Pit. Dash nyc.com, I mm-hmm. think you can see it. It's gorgeous 99-seat stadium-style seating theater and a beautiful bar and everything. But it was in a much smaller location across town at that time. I took a class with Kevin Allison, who mm-hmm. you and Ben Kissel interviewed. Yeah. On, was Gimme a Little Kissel?
1: Gimme a Little Kissel. Chit-chat? It's, it's a wonderful interview in which he just talks about BDSM for an hour. It is uh, it's, oh, it's the dirtiest thing I've ever been a part of, and that's saying something.
0: That is saying something. <laughs> it's saying a lot. Kevin. Oh, Jesus. What's who's calling me? Oh, my best friend. Listen, Catherine, I'm doing a podcast <laughs> like it's her fault that I didn't turn down my fucking thing. God damn it. Catherine. Damn it. Catherine. Come on. <laughs> Jesus Christ. So, um, uh, yeah. So, gosh, where was I?
1: Uh, you were talking about The Pit and Kevin right. Allison.
0: Yeah, so I took a class Kevin Allison of the legendary comedy group The State, which is fantastic, and um, so I took a class with him, and I had actually taken, like, a one-day improv class at the Magnet Theater and was immediately terrified and was like, I do not want to do improv comedy, uh, but the sketch writing class was really fun. I met some friends there, and we stayed friends, and... Um, Later I started doing stand-up I got invited to do stand-up at this giant very expensive independently funded dormitory for grad students in New York it's called International House not of pancakes and it's run by the Rockefeller Foundation and it's a lot of like fancy you know future doctors and scientists and lawyers and shit so they had a a they were celebrating United Nations Women's Week because they get they have a lot of you know there's a lot of crossover between this place and the United Nations and they bring in a lot of speakers like Madeleine Albright different people and me for um for women's comedy night because they needed an opener for the comedians carrie louise and vanessa hollingshead and a friend of the girl who was booking it happened to be in grad school with me at columbia teachers college at that time and so that's how that happened but marcus and i both we met um at an internship at The Onion
1: yeah, in the in, fall of that year. Yeah, in the fall of 2006. And I fell completely ass-backwards in the comedy. I never thought that I'd ever do it. Like, my whole background is in radio. Yeah. Like, completely and totally. I applied to that internship on a whim. Just like, ah, I'll never get this. But, hey, it's an internship at The Onion. Why not? And it turned out that they were looking for someone uh, to help out with Onion Radio News. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, I got the internship. And I remember I remember our very first conversation. Really? Yeah. What ta- did we talk about? We talked about comedy. Books. We did. Yeah, we talked about Preacher and Sandman because you saw oh, yeah. because you saw my Sandman tattoo on my back, oh. and you were like, hey,
0: Sandman, that's awesome. How did I see it on your back? Were you not? Were you wearing a backless top? Uh,
1: possibly. I don't know. I was doing weird things in those in early two in late two thousand. Maybe
0: you were. Your shirt was like kind of ripped or something in I've, the back, or it was just like the the because it's on your. Upper back.
1: It's on my upper back. Yeah, so it yeah. could have
0: just shone through.
1: I think it was shining. Yeah, it Learning was shining. Some sort of
0: gossamer.
1: It was, <laughs> it was It was shining through my shirt. I saw. I I had a strange first couple years in New York. Uh, very strange. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, we talked about Sam and the Preacher, and then we went to the UCB theater mm-hmm. and saw a show there. And the entire time, I remember that we were walking, we kept yelling about Tituba. <laughs>
0: Tituba. Wait, Tituba's hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> She's my favorite character in all of literature. Her name is Tituba.
1: Yeah, Tituba uh, from The Crucible. I uh,
0: remember you had hair. You had long hair. Yeah. And you looked so much like the kid from Almost Famous. Yeah. At that point in time.
1: I uh, get either Almost Famous or uh or uh, the kid from Dazed and Confused that touches his nose all the time. Wiley Wiggins. Wiley Wiggins I yeah. know Wiley
0: Wiggins. Do you? Yes, he's a grown up. Yeah. I think <laughs> I think that you look a lot more like the kid from Almost Famous. I like, I'd like
1: I'd, I enjoy that much more because the Wiley Wiggins doesn't have a chin. Well,
0: I don't know. I think he does now, but maybe he didn't when he was in, you know, ninth grade when he made that film. <laughs> we all had our awkward phase.
1: Yeah, but after the onion, I got out of comedy for like two, three years. But really? you sta you stayed in it.
0: I did. I stayed in it and I kept you know, I, I didn't really do open mics. I did um what are called bringers, which are Shows where, in exchange for getting stage time, you bring family members who agree to pay an exorbitant cover price plus, like, you know, a two-drink minimum. So you bring family and friends to see you perform, and it's expensive for it's them. It's a
1: scam. You no,
0: know, it's a total scam, but you get stage time. Yeah. Um, I us I mean, go to
1: the open mics, kids.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think open mics are soul-killing and stupid, but, like, it's not going to cost your friends money.
1: Yeah. It's much better than bringer shows. Bringer yeah. shows are horrible. And you also have to bark for them. Like you have to yeah, they make you, you do Yeah, and I sometimes hate that. they make you go out in like the West Village and Times Square. Like you ever seen a, like if you've been to New York and you see those people out like free hey, comedy
0: Hey, you like comedy Hey you like comedy, free comedy show, free comedy show.
1: Uh and those people are um yeah, they're barkers. They're just starting they're, out. They're yeah. getting taken advantage of, essentially. Yeah. If you see a person barking, it's like uh, they're
0: desperate comedians who just moved to New York City and they y- don't know that like they don't have to bark. That they yeah, just you know, there are other ways to make money that are far less demeaning. Like get a temp job.
1: Yeah, yeah. They they don't they don't know any better. Um, but I don't know. I mean, it's it's odd to ask. I mean, whenever someone asks like what kind of com- like if she wants to get into comedy, wants to do something with comedy, it's like there are a million different ways. I mean, there's. There's stand-up comedy, there's sketch comedy, there's improv, there's comedy writing, there's
0: internet videos that people can get huge from that, and then end up getting deals for TV and movies and stuff.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I'd say, I mean, if she wants to do something with comedy, just I don't know, do it. She's, I mean, she's she can write, you know, yeah. she she's got like a you know a pretty good writing style. Uh, maybe she's you know a comedic writer. Maybe you know maybe you could write sketches or something like that. Sk- writing sketches is so much fun. Mm like it's a ton of fun to do.
0: Do I would say get as much performance experience as you can and this is something that I still feel I need. Like I still feel like I need more performance experience. And um and so as I've been you know I've been booking shows Sarah Ben and uh, dot com slash shows as I've been booking shows, <laughs> trying to work my stand up muscle again, because there's so many different kinds of performance. Like for two years, I was touring on and off with a show called Agora Fabulous, which became my book. But that was, a, you know, one woman show storytelling. It's different. That's a different a theater a one person theater show that is different a different muscle than stand up. Oh, yeah. I feel like my stand up muscle has atrophied. And so I'm like, okay, got to get back into it cuz in stand up, you know, you're packing um, you're packing as many laughs as you can into a 5, 7, 10, 15, 30 hour long set. And it's different. It's it's really different and I'm like, I'm back. I feel like I'm back in comedy school like I'm reading um Steve Martin's born standing up. Ah. Which is really really neat. And I'm I watched Louis CK's uh most recent special live at the Beacon Theater, which is 5 bucks. You can get it online at louisck.net. Get it. You know, I don't Support have his it. I don't have his contact information. Um And I I would want to go right through him and not through, like, one of his people. Because when you go through somebody's people, it's like... But I think he would be such a great guest for this show. I mean, he'd be amazing, obviously. And we would die if he came. But, like, I think he'd actually give really solid advice to people, especially to young women. Oh, yeah. Who had sex and love questions. Yeah, I I, think he would. I think he has a compassion... I, I mean, he's somebody who's very, like, dirty and everything. But I think he has a certain compassion and understanding of, like an empathy to like what young women kind of go through.
1: He seems like a good man. Well, yeah, I mean, I don't. Know. Of course, I don't course know because he's got, I don't know da- him personally, he's got but...
0: daughters, or like what yeah. it is. I don't know what he is like to work with, but he just seems to his material at least betrays an empathy for women that you know some people can have had a long marriage like he did and have daughters and like never pick that up. But it seems like he's picked that up. I don't know. I just think it would be really awesome to have him on the show. Me too. But I like don't. I'm like, should I MySpace you? You know, because <laughs> we could. go I mean, it would be easy enough to go through like his manager, or agent, or whatever. But the thing is that that's always, those are the people who are going to say no to you. The people who are going to say yes are like the artists themselves if if, if they if they want to and if they think it's a good use of their time.
1: Well, he has recently performed here at the Creek in the Cave.
0: Okay, we'll do some investigation. Yeah,
1: we'll investigate.
0: We'll investigate and we'll see.
1: Investigation in process. See what
0: happens. Uh, anyway, sorry, so back to Kelly. See, Kelly, another thing about comedy, getting into comedy, is that like you need to be a student of the form, and you need to be a geek about it. So you can't half-ass it. I think I spent too many years just half-assing it, and I think that it would be... Which is, you know, odd, because... I've met with, like, a relative – for for comedy, you know, I don't make all my money off comedy now, but I've met with a relative level of success in that for two years, all my income was from entertainment. And um, now – even now, like, a big portion of it is from entertainment in some capacity. And so – I, you know, so I, I'm i saying to you, like, I'm not someone who's as accomplished as most stand-up comedians are or, or whatever, or not, I don't know, most stand-up comedians who, like, are known are. And I'm like, fuck it, like, I need to, I need to do more stand-up. I need to go watch more stand-up. Like, I mean, and I haven't been doing it all, I mean, I've been doing it for, how long have I been doing it for? Almost six years. I guess January will be my sixth year anniversary of being in comedy in some form. Mm-hmm. And... So that's kind of a medium amount of time, and then you know the people like Marin have been in it for what, like twenty years?
1: Twenty, twenty-five, yeah,
0: yeah. And you, I think that. Most people will tell you, regardless of how long they've been in, that they're still learning, and I certainly am still learning. And you have to have respect for the form. For a long time, I thought you could just go up and do it, and who cares? But it's at this point that I've, like, I like—I didn't really start to get deep respect for stand-up until very, very recently. Um, and so you—you you need to watch. People who you like. You have to find comedians, seek them out. I mean, uh, when I started, I really liked Margaret Cho a lot, and I really liked. I had spent a year in New Mexico doing AmeriCorps, and was. Bitterly unhappy and so lonely the whole time. So, to comfort myself, I would watch Chris Rock DVDs. I would watch Margaret Show. I would watch Eddie Murphy. Ah. And then, when I came to, um, and I watched Chappelle's show on DVD and fucking loved it. And then, when I came to New York um, and I was still unhappy and in grad school, I was looking for something else and comedy became the thing. And so, I educated myself. Like, I watched, you know, old Lenny Bruce you know, concert films that had terrible audio like really old shit like from the 50s with awful audio that I didn't even enjoy that I could barely understand because the audio was so bad but I watched it because I I heard from so many people that he was a master that I was like I need to watch this yeah. I, and there's no way I'm going to completely understand it right now because I don't live in that time period and, and I'm not that educated about comedy at the time uh, but I watched I remember I watched Lenny Bruce I watched um, Whoopi Goldberg's one old one woman Broadway show I you know more Eddie Murphy. More Margaret Cho, more Chris Rock again, because I just fucking love everything Chris Rock does. I will never not love the stuff that he does. Um, and uh, let's see, what who else did I watch? George Carlin. Oh, oh my yeah. gosh, yeah, yeah, George
1: Carlin, without a doubt.
0: That's another podcast I'm doing. His daughter Kelly has a podcast called "Waking from the American Dream." I'm doing that. Oh, in LA awesome! It's going to be just a podcast tour. That it is. Um, in February, so much podcastery. But uh, and you know, she's just a, a vibrant creative spirit unto herself really interesting masters in psychology mm. really into Jungian psychology and Joseph Campbell's theories and stuff that's pretty neat but anyway so it's not a surprise that he would like have a fucking badass kid but um yeah watch that and watch if if what you love is SNL if you get excited every time you see like SNL come on if you hear that music and you're like yeah. Then watch as much of it as you can.
1: Especially, especially the early ones, like the first three seasons. I mean, that, I don't think people like know how dark it really is. Like there's a there's a sketch where they throw a baby uh, out the window <laughs> <Really>? multiple times. <laughs> Mo- I mean, like over and over and over, and like Buck Henry just like is like punching this baby in the face <laughs> over and over again. It's dark as hell. Like they have this great, uh, this amazing uh, sketch called like the Mickey Rat Club, mm-hmm. uh, where it's it's disgusting. And so like, everyone in. Uh, in like the Saturday Night Live class li- or uh, cast has a T-shirt that has like their name, like their Mickey Mouse Club name, and that's it. I actually got my internet handle from Dan Aykroyd's name, uh, rat name, which is Scumbo. <laughs> Scumbo. <laughs> it's like it's the it's like my name on Reddit, and it's like it's. It's the best. Like, it's awesome. it's really, really awesome.
0: Steve Martin's autobiography. It's, 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 well, it's his autobiography, but it's all through the lens of his career. Born Standing Up. I'm reading it right now. And he talks about SNL in the early days. And he talks about how he would go on there and, like, one time um, Dan Aykroyd was there in a black leather jacket. And he was like... I was out all night. They had to do the show live, obviously. And he's like, I didn't sleep. I was out all night riding my my motorcycle around. And it it's, you know it died. So I had to thumb a ride. So he thumbed a ride out in the country outside New York. The person... And he, they, he was already famous by this point. The person drove him in. And then once they got to New York, the person literally reached across, over him, opened up the door. And I guess he wasn't wearing a seatbelt. And just pushed him out into the rainy street. <laughs> <laughs> and Steve Martin was like... Well, do you need to get some clothes? Do you want to go to Saks or something? <laughs> like, which is so funny. And 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 Ackroyd was like, "Nah, that's not really my thing, man." <laughs> like, because he was just so far out, and t- to this day is apparently very far out there. But like, oh, Ackroyd's you know,
1: real far out there.
0: And Steve Martin was during like the you know he went through his like hippie puka shell wearing phase but for a lot of it during that time he was wearing pretty conservative clothing like he went through a relatively short long hair phase mm-hmm. and um so he would wear he wasn't a conservative guy but he would wear this conservative clothing and and that at first made him a square and then later it set him apart and made him subversive and it, it's great i mean know know the history of your craft like know the you don't have to be a geek where, I mean, listen, I've never, still never seen a full episode of Mr. Show, and I know people love Mr. Show, and yeah. Marcus was just looked shocked. <laughs> um, and I'll, I'll get around to it one day, but, like, right now, it's an ongoing learning process, and I think right now, for me, it's about going more to the fundamentals of the form and getting down to the, I don't know, going back into and studying, like, Just studying like I'm reading story. (laughs) Yeah, finally, um, because I think it can help. I think story can help people um, not just learn to be screenwriters or television writers, but I think it can also help with all kinds of writing and all kinds of storytelling.
1: One thing I'll say about it is that, yeah, you do need to know the history of it and you do need to study it. But what I've seen in – the because I'm like very – have been like deeply entrenched in the New York stand-up scene for years, like about like three years now. And one thing that I've seen is I've seen a lot of people who love to talk about comedy and love to talk about like theory and history and all that. And people who actually do comedy. Right? Yeah you have it's to like do it. you have to do it. And know that being a stand up comic, if that's what you choose to do, by far the hardest thing you can do in entertainment. Like there is no, there is nothing harder than being a stand-up comedian. You have to. I, I sincerely believe that you have to kind of hate yourself a yeah. little bit to be a stand-up comedian. You'd like be kind you have of
0: mentally ill too.
1: Yeah, you have to be. You have to be able to take a lot of abuse, and I'm talking years of brutal, hard abuse. It, it's. It's rough. It's the roughest thing you can choose to do, and in fact, I think comedy is the hardest—definitely the hardest thing in entertainment. I think it's it's harder than drama. It's harder than music. It's harder than dance. Like, there's comedy is definitely the hardest thing you can do, like by far
0: and people won't like understand you they won't understand why you want to do it because it's a very specific disorder (laughs) they'll be weirded out today my i was talking to my therapist on the phone because i was sick so i was home so i did a phone session and she was like she called one of my videos that she had watched disturbing (laughs) like she really doesn't get my sense of humor at all and um she was saying that she was watching, it and it was me talking about my, you know, psychological fuck ups and and stuff. And she's great; I mean, she's a great person. I, I mean, I don't know; if she's a, if she's a good therapist. I don't know if she's a great person. I don't know personally, but um, she was like, I found it so disturbing that the audience was laughing when you were talking about about having a nervous breakdown. And I was like, well, but that disturbing. was I was like, that was the point. Like, I was yeah. there, and and I was like, you know. People say comedy is tragedy plus time. And she said, Well, how can you feel so exposed out there? Like, doesn't it feel unsafe to let people into something that was so devastating? And I was like, No, for me, it's shedding. And I think it's just a difference in mentality. I was like, For me, it's shedding light on the dark stuff that, like, kills off the creepy shit that's growing in the dark. Mm -hmm. Um, It kills off the mold and nastiness. And to be a comedian to be to make a joke about something real that's happened you have to have some distance from the event you cannot be in the event you have to be somewhat removed from it so that you can reflect on it you need to have some perspective and depression and anxiety generally to me represent a loss of perspective above all else oh by far and so if, if i can make a joke about it if i can tell a story and laugh about some of the little things i did and laugh about um about how out of my mind i was without that says to me okay i'm then i'm outside of it then i've evolved because i'm not right in there i have perspective that means i am not right there in the moment and i think that in addition um it's healing to be able to laugh and i don't think that i think it's possible to make fun of yourself without demeaning yourself i think you can you can find the humor in terrible things and what is a pretty terrible illness and not dem- you're n- you're not demeaning people who have the illness it's you know you're owning that you have it there's a difference between someone um mocking or f- making fun of their own experience versus making fun of an experience they've never had of and course. do not understand
1: and i think that's another key thing in comedy is what ask the question, what makes you different? Like, what makes what you have to say different than what everyone else has to say? Or, what makes what you have to say worth saying? And why should people listen to you? I mean, ask, ask yourself those questions whenever you're getting into it and writing jokes. You, you just ask yourself, you know, it's like, well, is this worth putting out there? Is this worth saying? I mean, and you don't you know, and you're gonna say a bunch of things that, you know, are gonna fail. Like, you're gonna fail for a long time anyone who's wanting to get into comedy no one is great right off i know of one person who was great within like a year and i say one person out of probably i'd say i've met i i've definitely i'd say over the last three years i've definitely interviewed over a 100 comedians mm-hmm. uh and i know probably 150 200 like i there's we both know a ton of people in comedy and out of all those I know one person who was good in under a year uh and that doesn't even count the thousands of comedians in New York City mm-hmm. uh and you just yeah you're gonna suck for a long time uh and I know I'm sounding very dire and very negative with this but that's the reality of it you know you gotta know before you get into this that it's hard it sucks it's not very reward it's not very rewarding at first but but once it is rewarding, once you get that laugh and once you know that you've changed the way someone thinks or made them think about something in a way that they've never thought about it before, you've just made someone feel better about themselves by exposing some sort of uh, uh, idiosyncrasy or piccadilly or just pro- huge problem that you have, and, they make them, and you make them feel better because they know that they're not alone, uh, that feels fucking amazing. <laughs> like it feels so good. Mm hmm. And you know that.
0: Yeah, that's the highest. I think the the highest expression of the art form is um, doing something, or, or not the highest expression, maybe the highest goal or something for me is doing something that uh, resonates with and lends comfort or ease to other people. That's really awesome. But it's the mechanics of, of the thing are that you're going to need to work day jobs because you're not going to be able to wait tables at night because you're going to have to go do shows at night. Every night. Every night. and I I, Open
1: mics every night. And
0: I haven't, that's something that I can tell you, Kelly, I haven't done. So it's like, say, do what I say, not what I do. Like, I have never done the thing where you just go out and just work it, work it, work it every night. I think that's because a lot of my comedy has been expressed through um, videos and through writing. And I think that's probably why. But if you want to do stand-up, you need to be out there all the time and doing shows, sometimes multiple times a night. um, And you need to really be you don't have to kill yourself over it, but you need to really make a a, a concerted effort to do it, to get more stage time, to get better. A- and also, I would advise you to go to Rob Delaney's website. Go to RobDelaney.com, and he has a set of adv- pieces of advice for comedians that are really, really great. And one of the things he says is to move to New York or L.A. and to get involved with, get involved with like UCB. Or get you know get involved with the pit. I would really recommend UCB. I love the pit. Um, if I could do it again, I would also do classes at UCB. Even though I fucking hate improv comedy, yeah. because just because of the networking and also remember the that it's, it's
1: very expensive.
0: Yeah, it's also very expensive.
1: Yeah, it's extremely expensive. <laughs> but the people and it's, you it can meet can also be. Well, I'm not. It can be get super douchey yeah. for sure. <laughs> it could be extremely douchey, and it can be more. It, 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 you got to be careful because you get into this scene, and you may. It, it can be more about m- making friends instead of being a comedian. Because industry doesn't comedy. give a
0: shit like they don't give a shit if you are the bell of the ball at the you know, 10 o'clock show on Fridays where like Louis C.K. drops in and does a spot once in a while. No one gives they a don't fuck. give a shit. Are you performing on that stage and doing consistently good work? Then they care. But they don't care if you're the prettiest gal or if you're the coolest dude or if you're banging all the lady comedians or if you're banging all the nude comedians or you know if you hung out outside with some industry person and, and got wasted like you know and they don't remember your name the next day or you puked on their shoes like that's not good being uh, palling around with industry and networking is a good thing um, but palling around with comics is just like a byproduct of doing your art form
1: Mm-hmm. yeah
0: and it's better to I mean John Mulaney is fantastic and I, a lot of times I've seen John Mulaney at shows where he goes in he does his thing he's nice to everybody and he leaves after and that's okay but yeah like, it's totally okay and Louis CK does the same thing mm-hmm. you go in you do it you leave uh, and you go back to doing your real life or having your real your real time. Mm-hmm. How far in are we on this lengthy episode? Actually, I have
1: to get out of here. Oh. I have to get to Calman practice because we got a show tonight. Truth.
0: Oh, by the way, we're at creeklic.com. That's where we are. We record this magic and um, at the Creek in the Cave, 1093 Jackson Avenue, uh, just uh, one stop off of Grand, out of Grand Central on the 7 train here in beautiful Long Island City, Queens. And I'm at sarahbenincasa.com uh, twitter.com slash sarahjbenincasa. Marcus is at twitter.com slash marcusparks. I uh, really encourage you to go and pre-order my book uh, at com slash the book. It comes out for realsies on valentine's day why not give yourself the gift of reading about me pissing in bowls and having (laughs) condoms break why not also, do that?
1: don't forget to go to CaveComedyRadio.com. Oh,
0: Jesus, Christmas. I totally fucking forgot about that. And also go to SexCuseAmoi.com and uh, put the name Sarah in for your order code and you'll get 20% off plus free shipping. Isn't that exciting? It's very exciting. So I think we really ca- we covered the sex part today by talking about our beautiful sponsor that we love. I think we did. Yeah. Um, but this geeking out about comedy is super fun. And that's the number one thing that you must know, Kelly, is that if you um, become a a comedian, you join an army of obsessive, geeky, fucking weirdos. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you better be weird. We could keep talking about this (laughs) for, for like, two more hours. Yeah,
1: we could, I, I could, yeah, we could literally talk about this for, yeah forever yeah yeah there's 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 so much more out there but just I mean the only thing to know about if you want to get into comedy is that it's it's hard mm-hmm. it's it's the hardest thing you can do but if you if you can put in the work and if you're really dedicated and you decide that it's going to be your career and not your hobby uh, then yeah you might have a shot
0: yeah um bring a notebook with you everywhere you go and start writing down things that you think are funny, of course all, all right everybody that has been sex and other human activities. Hi- a happy Hanukkah or Christmasica,
1: or Kwanzaa.
0: Or Kwanzaa. No one celebrates. No Kwanzaa. one really does. <laughs> no, not many people. I mean, I'm sure some people do. Yeah. But like most, even Black people I know are like Kwanzaa. Like, no, we don't do that.
1: I think I know more about Kwanzaa than most Black people. Yeah,
0: yeah. It's it was an academic holiday that was invented by a professor, um, in I think the 50s or 60s. Yep. Um, and you know. Um, but I'm sure it's a good time. Yeah. (laughs) And, you know, all holidays were invented because God isn't real and religion is bullshit, but I still want to believe. Me too. I'm going to go sit on Santa's lap and talk about that. All right. Bye, everybody. Goodbye.